0: A reading from the first book of Maccabees. Judas and his brothers said, Now that our enemies have been crushed, let us go up to purify the sanctuary and rededicate it. So the whole army assembled and went up to Mount Zion. Early in the morning on the 25th day of the ninth month, that is, the month of Chislev, in the year 148, they arose and offered sacrifice according to the law on the new altar of burnt offerings that they had made. On the anniversary of the day on which the Gentiles had defiled it, on that very day it was recon- reconsecrated with songs, harps, flutes, and cymbals. All the people prostrated themselves and adored and praised heaven, who had given them success. For eight days they celebrated the dedication of the altar and joyfully offered burnt offerings and sacrifices, a deliverance and praise. They ornamented the facade of the temple with gold crowns and shields. They repaired the gates and the priest chambers and furnished them with doors It was great joy among the people, now that the disgrace of the Gentiles was removed. Then Judas and his brothers and the entire congregation of Israel decreed that the days of the dedication of the altar should be observed with joy and gladness on the anniversary every year for eight days from the twenty-fifth day of the month Chiseleth. Verbundamini. We praise your glorious name, Almighty God. Blessed may you be, O Lord, God of Israel, our Father, from eternity to eternity. Yours, O Lord, are grandeur and power, majesty, splendor, and glory. For all in heaven and on earth is yours. We praise your name, God. Yours, O Lord, is the sovereignty. You are exalted as head over all. Riches and honor are from you. We praise, praise your name, Almighty God. You have dominion over all in your hand are power and might. It is yours to give grandeur and strength to all. We pray.
1: Dominus Fobiscu, Evcun Spiritus Lectio Sancti Evangelii Secundum Lucam. Jesus entered the temple area and proceeded to drive out those who were selling things, saying to them, It is written, "'My house shall be a house of prayer, "'but you have made it a den of thieves.' "'And every day he was teaching in the temple area. "'The chief priests, the scribes, "'and the leaders of the people, meanwhile, "'were seeking to put him to death. "'But they could find no way to accomplish their purpose, "'because all the people were hanging on his words.
0: It
1: was at the US Bishop's spring Assembly in the year 2019 that they took a consultative vote on whether or not the cause of a grandfather from the Upper Peninsula, of Michigan, whether his cause for canonization should cons- continue to proceed. And there were no nay votes. Everyone supported the uh, continuation of the diocese of marquette in proceeding with the cause of irving also known as francis huel and so your grandfather's out there it's possible to be a saint and maybe one day we'll see uh, michael o'neill do a a show a program on they might be saints on francis Irving Hool. So he was born in 1925. He served in World War II. And he met his future wife. They were married for 60 years. They had five children. He had a number of grandchildren. And he had a great devotion to the Stations of the Cross, which is he had grown up with that. When he was just six years old, He had a fall from a galloping horse, landed on these railroad tracks that broke some of his ribs, pierced his lungs. And the newspaper articles said that they didn't expect him to survive, that he had fatal injuries. But he had an aunt who was a sister, a religious sister, and her community prayed all night for him. And the next day, the doctors were surprised. His hemorrhaging had stopped. He was breathing without difficulty. He said that night that a man, a beautiful man in a white bathrobe is how he described uh, Jesus, came to him and raised his hand over him, and he recovered. But it was, he was living just a very ordinary life of deep faith, living his Catholic faith. He made the stations of the cross every day. But it was on Good Friday in 1993 that he had these terrible pains during the middle of the night. So much so that he took some pain pills, didn't touch the pain he was having in his hands. And later he had these wounds in his hands. And this continued for some 16 years. And he would always undergo every night from midnight till 3 a.m., where he said many sins were committed during that time, that he would undergo in some way the passion of our Lord, suffering from 12 a.m. to 3 a.m. And at the end of that, and Father Robert Fox of Happy Memory, who was a spiritual director for him, witnessed this. He said that at the end of that, he would often have a vision of the people that he had suffered for, prayed for through that time. He would see young people going into to bars or even priests who weren't living up to their priestly call and so on. But he was given this, a healing ministry, ministry. And Father Fox related that he said that he wasn't called to speak, but rather the Lord told him to touch people. And so he had a healing ministry. He actually came here. He, had, he was here a couple of times at the Sister Servants Retreat Center just down the road. And I was speaking with a man recently who was a former employee and said that he came into the Catholic faith. One of the reasons was because of Irving Houle when he met him. And he had actually touched his stigmatized hand that he didn't realize was stigmatized. But he said that it was always the Lord who healed, and many received physical healings. But even more so, and more importantly, were spiritual healings. People returned to the sacraments. And Father Fox estimates that that he prayed over some 200,000 people, and thousands came back to the faith through this simple ministry of praying over people. So we know in the history of the Church, there have been those, like Padre Pio, who had the wounds of Christ. And what is that speaking to us? It's speaking to us, of course, of the redemption that Christ wrought. And we are members of his mystical body. And so we all, in some way, share in his cross. Take up your cross and follow me. Take up your cross daily. And follow me. That that's going to be an element of being a follower of Christ. Following him. And we've been going through the Gospel of Luke, you know, in the weekday readings. There's a cycle of weekday readings. So we begin the ordinary time weekday readings with the Gospel of Mark, weeks one through nine. And then we have the Gospel of Matthew, weeks 10 through 21. And then, 22 to the end of the liturgical year, ordinary time, we have the Gospel of Luke. And it was at the beginning of October that we had the reading where it says that Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem. And this section, it's 10 chapters, from chapter 9 to 19, where we arrive today has been called the travel narrative, the journey narrative. Jesus, just before that event, where he sets his face toward Jerusalem, had been transfigured. And Moses and Elijah appear, and they speak of the exodus that he would accomplish in Jerusalem. And shortly after that, we are told in Luke's Gospel, he sets his face toward Jerusalem. He's going toward Jerusalem where he's going to accomplish the exodus, of which the first exodus was a prefigurement. And so we've been going through that since October 3rd, and now he's arrived at Jerusalem, and now our readings are going to be where he's speaking to the people in Jerusalem. And there's two reactions to Christ today, too. And throughout Christian history, there's two reactions. There are those who seek to put him to death, to put an end to Christianity, either in subtle ways or persecutions, like our martyrs today, St. Andrew Dunlock and Companions, were mart- martyred over the course of a couple of centuries, uh, from 1740 to 1883 in Vietnam. There were all these persecutions. So those who seek to put Christ to death, his followers to death, to get rid of Christianity, and then there's those like you and I who hang on his words. They sought to put him to death, but there was no way to accomplish their purpose because all the people were hanging on his words. We want to hear your word, Christ. We're not sure what to listen to in all the voices and cacophony in the world today, but we know we can listen to your words because your words are truth, and the truth we have found sets us free, and we're going to be your followers through thick and through thin, whatever may come. That's what the martyrs today testify to, and we had a reading today in our office of readings of one of those martyrs. Father Paul Le Bautin, who was in prison. Listen to some of his words. So he's describing what the prison was like. The prison here is a true image of everlasting hell. To cruel tortures of every kind, shackles, iron chains, manacles, are added hatred, vengeance, calumnies, obscene speech, quarrels, evil acts, swearing, curses, as well as anguish and grief. But now listen to some surprising words he says. Imagine being in that atmosphere that he just described. What he said was an image of the everlasting hell. But God, who once freed the three children from the fiery furnace, is with me always. He has delivered me from these tribulations and made them sweet, for his mercy is forever. In the midst of these torments, which usually terrify others, I am, by the grace of God, full of joy and gladness, because I am not alone. Christ is with me. You see, dear people, that even in the difficulties and hardships of life, we can have joy and gladness. Imagine being in that atmosphere and he's saying that these tribulations are sweet to me. Why? Because Christ is with me and I have joy and gladness even in the midst of it. We've been reading through 1st and 2nd Maccabees and to understand this to understand they're not sequential, first and second, but they're overlapping. So, first Maccabees describes a period from 175 years before Christ to 134. Second Maccabees, 180 before Christ to 161. So, shorter, but there are these. Um, just very moving accounts in Second Maccabees of some of the events we heard last week of the, the mother telling her seven sons to persevere through the, the torments that they were going through. And there's something very beautiful. I wanted to bring this out the day we had that reading but I didn't have time. Is that this mother of these seven sons who were put to death and she herself was put to death. She speaks of that God made everything out of nothing. And if he was able to do that, and he did, then he can raise us to the de- from the dead. It's one of the strongest uh, expressions of faith in the resurrection in the Old Testament. She said, I do not know how you came into existence in my womb. It was not I who gave you the breath of life, nor was I it I who set in order the elements of which each of you is composed. Therefore, since it is the creator of the universe who shapes each man's beginning as he brings about the origin of everything, he and his mercy will give you back both breath and life because you now disregard yourselves for the sake of his law." That they understood, yes, those who are tyrants can take our lives, but the creator of the universe who brought us into being, he can restore us to life and he will when we're faithful to him. And today we had the event where now they are able to finally rededicate the temple After it had been desecrated on the very anniversary of its desecration and the destruction and all that had happened, they were able to rededicate it and even more beautify it. And the Jews, the pious Jews, continue to celebrate this today, Hanukkah, which is an eight-day celebration in remembrance of this rededication of the temple, in which they call it a festival of lights because, Now the lights were back on. You know, the candlelight, the oil light was relit in the temple. And so they have eight candles that they will light during the eight days. This year it's December 7th and following that the pious Jews will pray this and they have different blessings. They pray the Hallel Psalms, the Praise psalm, Praise Psalms, because of what we hear about this rededication. It was reconsecrated with songs, harps, flutes and cymbals. All the people prostrated themselves and adored and praised heaven, who had given them success. And one of the Jewish sources that I read about Hanukkah said that it's really a celebration of the ultimate victory of good over evil. See, evil doesn't have the last word. It has its day, it has its hour, rather. It has its hour, evil does. But there is the everlasting day. God has the final word. He has the final say. So these wounds that Francis Houle had, the stigmata, and the miracles that took place, the people that came back to the faith, It's a testimony that Christ is with us, that his wounds are healing for us, wounds that we encounter at every Mass. We hang on his words as we listen to the scriptures, and we encounter the risen Lord in the Holy Eucharist and the reception of Holy Communion as a representation of his sacrifice takes place. But then we receive he who has risen from the dead, whose wounds bring us, as Isaiah prophesied, healing.